Now, based on my uneducated opinion, so take it or leave it or debate it over coffee and donuts, that would be great. But today is the second most important Sunday of the church year. Keep in mind, Christmas is not confined to Sundays. Of course, the most important day, Sunday, would be Easter, where Jesus proves that he is God. He defeats death, and he proves that he is the authority and ability to give us eternal life. But Trinity Sunday is a close second. Confessing who God is. It's the most important thing that the church does. You should care about it because it's a life or death issue, an eternal life, an eternal death issue. In fact, you should love, you should love Trinity Sunday. So today, three, seems like an appropriate number, three reasons to love Trinity Sunday. The first is this, the word Athanasian, it's kind of fun to say. Now, who was Athanasius? We're going to confess the creed after the sermon. Athanasius was a 4th century bishop of Alexandria that's in Egypt. Now, rumor has it that he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, but his theology was not small. It was larger than life. He did not write the Athanasian Creed, but it's named after him because he was a fierce defender of the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, why should you care? You should care... Because church history is the study of what has happened to the body of Christ. And it's the body that you belong to. If it happened to the 4th century body of Christ, it happened to the 21st century body of Christ. And we should care about our medical history. Whenever you go to the doctor, there's a huge chart. It's bigger for you than others. But the doctor, imagine if he didn't look at the chart. It's important for him to know that you tore your ACL hanging Christmas lights, that you're allergic to dihydrogen monoxide. It's crazy if he wouldn't look at it. The church needs to know its medical history. It's important for us to know that we have crucifixion marks on our body, on our hands, our feet, and our side. It might be good to know when you're picking out clothes. It's best to display the wounds and display them proudly. Now, heresies... The particular medical issue that we are concerned about today, it's like a fever. Fevers let you know that something is wrong. And if you don't do anything about the fever, you'll die. In fact, this body has died. I don't know how many times, but it is a good thing that the body of Christ knows its way out of a tomb. Now, there's Saturday night fever, and then there's the church's 4th century fever. Now, we are more concerned about the latter because it's more exciting, and we won't say too much about the former because remember our rule from last week, no broken hips in the sanctuary. Here's the medical report, though, on the 4th century fever of the Christian church. There was a man named Arius. It's a good name to know, Arius. Bad guy. Why is he bad? Well, Arius was teaching that Jesus was made. He was created. Not begotten, is what Arius said. Arius said that Jesus is not of the same substance with the Father. And so basically, what Arius was teaching was, Jesus is not God. 
It was having some influence on the churches. Apparently more people were Arians than Orthodox Christians because they had the better hymns. So Athanasius and a lot of men like him, like St. Nicholas, yes, that St. Nicholas, it's kind of an aside, but it does drive me nuts when churches ban the image of Santa Claus. For Pete's sake, the guy defended the divinity of Jesus Christ. We could give him some credit. But Athanasius fiercely fought for the fact that Jesus is God. And this is not trivial. It's very important. Because if Jesus is not God, then he's just a man. And any man can die on a cross. But only the death of God can accomplish salvation. So this is why we confess things like Jesus is begotten and not made, being of the same substance with the Father. That becomes the Nicene Creed in the 4th century. And about 100 years later, the Athanasian Creed gets developed. Now, it might seem tedious saying it, but if anybody complains about it, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not here for it. <laughs> Save your words for somebody else. Go complain to Jerry. He'll give you an earful of I don't know what. Okay, that's a good, it's a good method for us. And it's not even that long. It's less than two pages in the hymnal. You spend your time on things that are way more tedious than that, which don't really mean anything. Confessing who God is. Is there anything more important that we could do? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's really important. It's personal. Try personal. It's not that hard. It's a little bit complex, but what in life is easy? One God, three persons, all three persons being of the same substance, but only one person of the Trinity became a man and died, the Son. The Father and the Holy Spirit did not become incarnate and did not die. If you want to worship the one real God, you have to know who he is. If you want to call your friend, you have to have their number. And every digit is important. One digit is the difference between calling Adam and calling Arby's. It's the difference between talking to your friend and ordering a hot beef and cheddar. And it's vastly more important that you would get the name of God right. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus says this in John 17 when he's praying to the Father. He says, this is eternal life. That they know you, the one and true God. Second reason now to love Trinity Sunday is this. Whenever you step into the presence of the one, holy, true, uncreated, eternal God, all of your finite problems become infinitely small. When you examine who God is in himself, it's almost like, who cares what I was anxious about last Tuesday? <laughs> now, Jesus gets at this in Matthew 28. He uses the word all four times. We call it the Great Commission. And these all statements of Jesus get at the omnipotence, the omniscience, and the omnipresence of the triune God. The first all, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All of it. From Jupiter to the dwarf planet, or whatever they call it, Pluto, to even a place like St. Cloud. Jesus has all authority. He has all power. He can do as he pleases. Which leads us to the second all. Go make disciples of all nations. Now there's been kind of a debate recently. I think it's rather silly. Whether or not a nation can be Christian or not. 
And I'm not entirely sure what people mean by that, but if it was not possible, why would Jesus say, go make disciples of all nations? The fact is, we want everybody to be Christians. <laughs> That's what we should want out of love, because we want everyone to be saved. Not forcing anybody to believe, because you can't do that. But we must preach to all nations. And if people are going to say, how dare you? It's a good question. Who died and left you in charge? Yeah, his name's Jesus. He died. And he didn't stay dead. And so we must preach this gospel to all nations. Now, what do we teach them? Well, that's the next all. Jesus says, teaching them all, all that I have commanded you. That's the entire Bible. We don't get to pick and choose what parts of the Bible we like. We have to teach it all. Now, as Lutherans, we call it law and gospel. And we must teach and preach it without embarrassment, without qualification. Because our world needs teaching. Clear teaching. That's not evident to you. Just look at the state of our educational system. We are here to teach all things that Jesus has commanded us. And nothing is clearer than God's word. Now the last all, you can't see it in the English. It's there in the Greek. kind of shows up. It's the word always. It's not really all. I know you'd call me out on it. But the Greek says, I will be with you all the days into eternity. Jesus is omnipresent. Remember that question. When you step into the presence of the one true holy God, who cares what you were anxious about last Tuesday? Well, the answer is this. God cares. He actually does. Which is why Jesus has promised to be with you always. To the end of the age. Which leads us to the last reason why you should love Trinity Sunday. That's this. God is love. The triune God and the triune God alone is love. Now it's good for us to say that we believe in one God because it's true, but it's not saying enough because lots of religions believe in just one God. Islam believes in one God, but that God is not love. Because love has to have an object. And self-love is not love. Now, a Unitarian God, that is a God composed of one person, that God can have a sense of justice, which is why many monotheistic cultures, Islamic cultures, Jewish cultures, Mormon cultures, why they are all about law and order. And there's something admirable about their sense of morality. And that God does have wrath, because he has a real sense of justice, but he has no son to pour that wrath on. A Unitarian God then pours out his wrath on the world, and his wrath is never satiated. The triune God and the triune God alone is love. It is not good for man to be alone, and that's because it's not good for God to be alone. Properly understood, God is a family. God is a society. The Father eternally loves the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Son eternally loves the Father and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit eternally loves the Father and the Son. And out of love for you, the Father sends the Son. For God so loved the world that he sends his Son. And the Son, out of love for his Father and out of love for you, perfectly obeys his Father and lays down his life. And the Son, out of love for you, then sends you a gift. He sends you the Holy Spirit who lives in you so that you can love God. This is what baptism is all about. Bringing you into the life of the Trinity. Something that you could never perfectly comprehend on your own. 
But now by baptism, everything that belongs to God belongs to you. It's an absolutely crazy thing that Jesus says in John 14. He says, the one who believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. That's an absolutely bonkers thing to think about whenever you consider what Jesus did. But he really means it because in baptism, God lives in you and you live in God. So many people have fallen into an outright despair these days, gone into a total dark hole. It's really sad. This is why drug usage is so high. People are looking for anything and everything to just grasp onto, to give them any kind of glimmer of hope. Trinity Sunday is the anti-despair day. You don't need to despair. God is love, and he loves you, and he gives you meaning. You really belong here. I don't know if anybody ever told you that. You belong in those pews. You look like you belong there, and you do. And you have a real meaning. You have a real purpose in life. That's what we need. We need something to do. And Jesus gives that gives us that purpose. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, the question and the challenge for you on this Trinity Sunday is this. Will we actually do it?